back to the podcast. Hope wherever you are today that life is treating you right and everything's going well for you. And uh, today, I'm going to talk to you about going the distance. I grew up loving baseball. I grew up in northern Indiana, and I was close to Chicago, and so I would watch Cubs games. And I love the Chicago Cubs, and they were terrible. Make no mistake about it, growing up, the Cubs were awful. Um, and they're not much better now, as it turns out, even though they've won the World Series since. But I grew up loving Mark Grace and Sean Dunstan and Andre Dawson and Doug DeCenzo. little deep cut for you there. But I love these guys. I love the team. I love watching. I love just getting home from school. And sometimes in the summer or in the spring, I guess, their games would be kicking off and uh, starting around 220 and you get home and start watching the game while you're doing your homework. And it just was great. I loved it. It was a great memory for me. And baseball was something I played growing up and uh, something that I don't have as much interest in as I used to. But there's some things about baseball uh, that are really interesting to me. Uh, there's a lot more strategy than you would think. Uh, there's a, a ton of skill that is involved in baseball. And there's such little margin between somebody who's good and somebody who's great. But the thing that's most intriguing to me is the equipment. And what I mean is there's hats. You know, you see them wear their hats and their uniforms, sunglasses. Uh, They have the ball, of course, the batting gloves, and, of course, their fielding glove or mitt. Now, in all other professional sports, it's the newest thing is always the best thing. So NBA players have a new jersey every game or new shoes every game, and they give those shoes or jerseys away to fans at the end of each game. And NFL players do the same thing. You see them do jersey swaps or you see them throw their gloves uh, into the stands and that sort of thing and try to help the fans that way. And what you'll see in baseball is they'll give away baseballs and they'll give away batting gloves, even an occasional jersey, maybe sometimes even a hat. But one thing you'll never see them give away is their mitt. Or their fielding glove. Now, having a broken in glove is one of the best things a baseball player can have. In fact, having a brand new glove on the field is almost worst case scenario. A brand new glove might look better, but it's stiff, it's tight, it doesn't react well when the ball hits it, and it's just not broken in and very uncomfortable to use. Baseball players will spend months, sometimes even years, breaking in their mitt just to get it right, just to get it just right. There's all kinds of tutorials on the internet about how to break in the glove, but the best gloves are broken in slowly over time. It's an interesting lesson, isn't it? It's the glove that's been around for a while that has value. It's the glove that's been through a lot of wins and losses that's usable. It's the glove that's gone through the ringer a couple times that's prized. And really, it's the glove that's seasoned that goes the distance. Recently at the company I worked for, they announced the retirement of a legend, a guy who is one of the most hard-driving salesmen I've ever met. And that's saying something because most salesmen, by nature, are hard-driving. But he's landed more seven- or even eight-figure deals uh, than most people could even think of, and now he's retiring. I wasn't surprised he was retiring. I mean, really. I mean, he's made a crap ton of money, just really, and uh, and through it all, he still looks fit as a fiddle, even though... As he announced with his retirement, he's had some some health issues. But he said, my wife and I, we love to travel, and so I'm going to spend that time with her 
for a while. What surprised me, though, was how many emotions I felt around it. Now, I'm not particularly close to this guy. I mean, we work together, and we're friendly, have a lot of respect for each other, and I genuinely like him as a person, but we're not hanging out. We're not kicking it on the back nine like he does with all of his older, retired buddies. But um, I have been in the trenches with him on a deal or two, and it's been awesome to see him work the way he has. But I felt an overwhelming sense of gratitude, admiration, joy, happiness, mixed with a sweet sadness that our company was losing such an absolute rock star. I expected to feel sad, but mixed with all the other emotions, it really caught me off guard. And as I've been processing this, I've come to some conclusions about why I responded that way. And the main one is this. The older I get, the more I realize how hard it is to go the distance in anything in life. Anyone can start something and even start strong. But to start strong, to be strong in the middle and to finish strong is not an easy task. In fact, it's an incredibly difficult task. Think about this guy who's been here for decades and is retiring. Think about the amount of times he's gotten a job offer to go to a better job than the one he had. Or the times when the company changed policies on something that he didn't agree with or thought it was unfair. Or the amount of times, relationally, he's had issues with his co-workers over these decades. Any one of those would be reason to leave. And in fact, people leave for far less than any of those. But he stayed. And he fought. And he went the distance. Similarly, when I see a couple celebrating their 40th, 50th, 60th, 70th wedding anniversary, I get choked up a bit. Can you imagine what they've been through together? All the sickness they've endured together, the financial struggles they've had together, the spiritual battles they fought together, all of the prayers and the answered prayers, and the hard times and the good times. It's truly a beautiful thing. The amount of times these couples could have given up, but they chose to stay and fight. They chose to go the distance. Going the distance is becoming less and less popular in our world. It's in vogue to change jobs every year or so for the better opportunity that comes up. It's popular to believe that marriage is great as long as I can bail out as soon as it no longer suits me. It used to take decades to build wealth, but now there's a bunch of bros on TikTok telling me how to get rich quick. I actually saw a video the other day about a guy saying that if you don't own a Lamborghini in your 20s, then you should be ashamed of yourself. Seriously. Ironically, I hold the opposite belief. That if you own a Lambo in your 20s, you might have a lot to be ashamed of. Just kidding. Kind of. When we start to minimize longevity as a society and glorify quickness, we're doomed for failure. The same is certainly true on the spiritual front. It's often been said that we live in a microwave world but serve a crockpot God. Meaning, God takes his time to do in us what he desires. We want the work to be done quickly but God's less concerned about the work and more concerned about us getting to know him. In other words, God isn't overly concerned about the work he is doing in us, but making sure we're in relationship with him. Because if we're truly in relationship with him, the work we need done in our lives will happen naturally. The fancy church word for this is sanctification. It's the process by which we're set apart by God for his work over time. But more importantly, it's about learning how to be in relationship with God rightly. It's about learning the character of God, which can only be learned over time. 
As we learn how good God's character is and how limitless his heart is for us, we end up naturally becoming like him. There's a phrase that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Or someone else said, you become the combination of your five closest friends. Meaning, those you spend time in a relationship with, you will become more like. And that, in effect, is sanctification. It's spending time with God over a long period of time and becoming like Him in the process. Eugene Peterson describes it as a long obedience in the same direction. I love that. I remember when I was in my 20s and I'd pray for the Lord to sanctify my soul in specific moments. I'd pray, Lord, sanctify me through and through. And that'd be my prayer. Now, there's nothing really wrong with that prayer, and I still pray it from time to time. It develops the right heart posture for God to do the work he needs to do in us, but it's a bit wishful. Now, God could, in fact, sanctify me to a place where my heart is pure in every way and follow after him in that way. But he knows that would be the microwave version of what he wants to do slowly over time. Have you ever microwaved something that you were supposed to put in the oven? It's nasty. The edges are chewy or the opposite texture of whatever they're supposed to be. Some parts are scalding hot, others are still cold or frozen. It just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. What cooks food in the best way are the slow cooking methods. Sous vide, crock pot, or slow cooker, or my personal favorite, smoking. I love to smoke meats, and for the record, meat is the only thing I've ever smoked. And if I'm honest, I'm pretty good at smoking meat. I can smoke anything and make it good. One time I got a big pack of spare ribs from the store and we had some friends over. Our friends were raving about the ribs and they asked me how I cooked them. I started describing how I made a marinade with multiple ingredients and multiple steps. Then I left them the ribs for several hours in the marinade and then dried them off and seasoned them and then prepped them uh, for cooking. I prepped the smoker at 250. Then I put the ribs unwrapped on the smoker for a few hours, then I pulled them off and wrapped them and put them back on. But before I put them back on, on the wrap, I added some brown sugar and butter and some more seasoning to the foil so it would cook in as it was cooking on the smoker. And then I kept going, and they just stopped me and said, you know, just just stop. That's way too much work. And they started laughing. It's a lot of work, and by work, what they really meant was time. But honestly, the time is what makes it good. And that's how God views us. To spend time with us isn't a chore, it's his greatest joy. To engage in relationship with us is something he craves, not something he dreads. He does this because he loves us, but also because the work he chooses to do in us takes time. He doesn't want to microwave us and we turn out weird or crusty, but rather he chooses to slow cook our character, our heart, our desires, our mind, to get us to a place of Christ-likeness over time. One of my favorite things about being 40 is having a long history with God. Now, I understand if you're listening to this and you're 80, you're like, oh, you don't know nothing. But for me, it's given me a lot of perspective. I gave my life to Christ as a child, and so for more than 30 years, I've been in relationship with him. He's literally given me every good thing I have. And the only reason I have anything to celebrate in my life is because of him. I love the confidence I have in his faithfulness. I think about scenarios that sent me into full panic mode the first time I experienced them in my 20s or maybe even in my teens. That now, when they come up, I just take a breath and I recall all the times he's done it before and I have nothing but confidence that he'll do it again. That kind of relationship, that kind of confidence 
that comes out of a relationship with God that's been around for a while. Those kind of great relationships that we all crave and desire, they come over time. They come like those baseball gloves when they've been through some wins and losses. They've been through the ringer. They've been through some hard times. They've been seasoned. And it's that seasoning that we walk through with God where everything else around us is on the verge of collapse or full-on collapses. And the doctor's report is bad and the finances are bad and the relationships are bad and everything's bad. And yet God is faithful and he sees us through. That love of God is so constant. It's so faithful. It's so pure. I heard this song the other day from Bethel Music. It really moved me. And I'm going to share a portion of it with you here that really sums up this idea well. The song is called Weathered. After all that we've been through, tell me how I'm supposed to function without you. You've seen my heart be worn and used. You didn't leave. Instead, you stayed and made me new. How sweet it is to trust you, Jesus. To know you. I mean, really know you. Father, Son, and Holy Shepherd. A love so deep it can't be measured. A love that's real. A love that's weathered. I could never count the times you stayed faithful while my heart was compromised. You held me close each time I cried, when the last thing I deserved was sacrifice. How sweet it is to trust you, Jesus, to know you, I mean really know you, Father, Son, and Holy Shepherd, a love so deep it can't be measured, a love that's real, a love that's weathered. More than skin and bone can offer, you're consistent through and through, other loves just imitations, it cannot compare to you. Deeper than infatuation, than the rush of something new. This is soul inhabitation. You're in me, and I'm in you. How sweet it is to trust you, Jesus. To know you, I mean really know you. Father, Son, and Holy Shepherd. A love so deep it can't be measured. A love that's real. A love that's weathered. Lord, you're so good. And I thank you, God, that you weather every storm with us. You walk through every heartache. You walk through every hard time. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't settle for the surface love of God. We wouldn't settle, Lord, as followers of Christ to pray a prayer in a meeting and then leave and forget about you till the next Sunday. But, God, you would inhabit every facet of our lives. God, you would inhabit every moment of our day, every conversation that we have with everyone around us. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to become the people who are weathered, a weathered love of God that permeates our lives and we become like you and go the distance for the name and sake of Jesus Christ and pray in his name. Amen. Thanks again so much for joining wherever you are today. I pray that this would bless you the way it blesses me and that um, God would just be all over you and uh, you would see his presence in everything that you do and you would be and become like Jesus for the sake of the world. Thanks. Thanks.